Right, let's do this! Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the Cry Mit Mode podcast. A combination of our names. I'm Kippy Mitt. And I'm Rybert Mode. If you like consistency, then go somewhere else. Because this podcast is ever-changing. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, after a bit of a hi- hiatus where we adapted to some pretty sudden life changes. Summer's busy. Summer is the busy time for us, and uh, winter is the depressing endless time. So a lot of online content gets made in winter, and summer, suddenly all of it falls to the side. Drop off the face of the earth. Yeah, cease to exist. It's great. It's a good time. Now, uh, we are doing... Uh, another inaugural episode of a theme we never even anticipated we would be doing before until I found out something about you, K-Mit. What did I find out about you? I don't know. You've basically never seen an M. Night Shyamalan movie before. Oh, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan is a man who is diverse in the quality of his films. Yeah. Some extremely good. Some. Some. Horribly bad. Some are called old. <laughs> that and took me a minute. <laughs> as an introduction to M. Night Shyamalan, of course, you watched the movie Old. We're not covering Old today, but we do have to cover Old, because that is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, but I, I feel like Old isn't the initial go-to. Honestly, we sort... No, we picked... So, for this week, for our new series, M. Night Shyamalan or M. Night Shyamarong. Please don't stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have decided to cover the movie Knock at the Cabin, which we watched about two weeks ago. With the intention to watch it and then the next day record. Yes. So instead of that, we're going with our memories from two weeks ago and a Wikipedia page to refresh ourselves on what's going on in it. Because we did not take... Notes. No, no, we didn't take notes. We really did not prepare for this podcast. Please don't stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So I guess we should just get into it. The summary of this one's pretty going to be pretty fast because structurally it is not complicated at all. No, it's pretty straightforward. Yes. So the basic premise of Knock at the Cabin, which is an M. Night Shyamalan movie based, by the way, on the novel The Cabin at the End of the World by... I'll find it. <laughs> by Paul Tremblay. Uh, a book that I want to read now, but I have not yet. Uh, yeah, so it's based on that book. It it was... I, I don't know if you recall anything before it came out. I think it was kind of... It had a bit of buzz around it, and then I think the buzz kind of went away once the movie actually came out, and people were like, "Yeah, I knew nothing about it." Yeah, okay, great. I don't follow media. <laughs> you, you, you saw Dave Batista, and you were like, "Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy." <laughs> He's, I, I have to say, Dave Batista, I think is a good actor, but he basically only kind of has one type of character to play. And that is low-voiced, um, soft-spoken, very direct, kind of off-putting, weird man. And a little dumb. And a little dumb. He's not as dumb in this one. No. As he is in Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's definitely got a little bit of 
Nothing going on up if, there. If you need a guy, if you need a guy to squint his eyes and very intensely talk in a single direction, Dave Batista is your guy. You know, no matter what he plays, though, he yeah. also feels like I can trust him in any scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He feels like a very safe man, despite the fact that usually he is also a quite violent person. Yeah, but like. If I walked up to him in one of these movies, I don't feel like he'd immediately, like, I don't know. I think he just gives off really safeness. Yes. But. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's let's get into this movie. So, in this movie, it starts off with a little girl uh, named Wen picking up grasshoppers and putting them into a glass jar and then just asking them to be her friends, I believe. She's like, you're my friend now. But not like a bad friend. Oh, and then she puts them in a glass jar and specifically says something along the lines of, Don't worry, I just want to watch you for a while and then I'll let you out. Wonder if, wonder if that's a thematic line or not. Probably not. No. Nope. Uh, then, then Dave Batista walks out of the woods <laughs> towards this girl, sits down and has a conversation with her where he's basically like, I want to be your friend. We're friends now. And weirdly enough, it's not, it doesn't give off a super creepy vibe. No, no, it, it gives I off mean, weird vibes. It gives for off sure. weird vibes for the fact that he came out of the woods out of nowhere and now he's like, mm -hmm. I'll catch grasshoppers with you. Yeah. And it's clearly a guy who like but, immediately connects and empathizes with children really well. Like that's established really, really well right away. Yeah. I think it's the movie's vibe that makes it creepy. Yeah. It's totally. not him that makes it creepy. No, no, no. I don't, I, I, don't mean, know, I don't know how to explain how safe I feel with well, this man. It's because the circumstance itself is inherently unsettling, which is a man who a child doesn't know comes out of the woods and starts talking to her. But he is so gentle and like so uh, weirdly, like consent is the wrong term, but he doesn't start, he doesn't like try to push her boundaries or anything in any weird way. Like he's no, very. Yeah, uh, so you get the sense that he is not going to do anything bad to this child, which is kind of right and kind of wrong. But uh, the circumstance changes quite quickly when he says that he is there to also meet and befriend her fathers. Her, uh, She has two dads. They're all on a vacation at this cabin together. And then three more people emerge from the woods, and they are... <laughs> All carrying very odd-looking weapons. Uh, the girl runs in... So, uh, I guess we'll just say their names right now. So, the guy who approaches her, Dave Batista, is named Leonard. Uh, he is joined by uh, two women, Sabrina and Adrienne. Uh, and then uh, Redmond, who is played by Rupert Grint. I don't know who plays the other two characters. Uh, in fact, honestly, the only actors I know in this movie are Dave Batista and Rupert Grint. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the girl goes inside and tells her fathers about this. And they start... It turns into a very short, like, home invasion kind of movie. Where Leonard first tries to convince the parents to let them in so they can talk face to face. The fathers quite reasonably say, no... This seems like a bad idea, and then they start trying to break into the house. 
they smash through the door, and uh, one of them actually finds a way into the basement of the house as well, smashes into that, and then climbs upstairs. So it is and a very effective like home invasion segment. There's a decent amount of tension in it. Yeah, but they're they're not trying to hurt them. No, except for Redmond. <laughs> Redmond none of them are trying to hurt them, but in the act of trying to get in and trying to subdue the family, they do hit um which one do they hit on the head? Uh Eric. I thought he fell back. Like, they hit him and he fell back and hit his head. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. And I believe it is Redmond who hits him. Yeah, Yeah. but they don't hit his head. No, no, yeah, they don't, like, smash his head with one of their makeshift weapons. You're right. Yeah, they're kind of, like, fighting with each other because he's making swings at them as well. Ah, yes, the fathers, by the way, are named Eric. And Eric uh, is kind of a... These characters are all very, very... The more you get into it, the more you're like, ah, you are, you basically exist to serve a symbolic purpose in the movie. And Eric is the believer, kind of, a man who lives with faith, uh, as opposed to his civil rights lawyer partner, Andrew, who has no faith in humanity whatsoever, but is also a civil rights lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I will fight to help human beings, but human beings are trash. Uh, so they are then tied up. Uh, they're tied to chairs. When isn't? I believe when is just allowed to roam free. And this is when we kind of get the explanation of what uh, the premise of this movie is. These four people have come together uh, based on shared dreams and visions that they've had. Because they are basically instructed by God, uh, according to them, or by some supernatural force. I think they put God, but they don't know. Yes, they they, just, they have they just no idea. Assume. They're like, I don't know, God. But they are utterly convinced. Once again, having as they claim at this point, never met each other before. That they are tasked with making this family of three choose one of themselves. To sacrifice. But the family, I think, has to kill The family has to decide to do it, and uh, they all have to, like, it has to be an agreement as well. Like, you can't just murder one of them and then be like, they're sacrificed. Uh, They have to agree, and then they have to physically kill. Yeah, and there's... Uh, the other. Uh, they were very specific. The family has to kill, and yes. they can't commit suicide. And they can't kill themselves. Yeah, they have to be killed by the other. And the stakes of this are, if this family does not do this within a set period of time, I believe it's about a day, uh, around 24 hours, it seems like. Yeah, they have... The four of the people, one of them has to die, and a thing is awakened. Yeah, uh, but the, the end result is essentially, if they do not do this, the world will end, and only the three members of the family will be left to essentially roam the the apocalypse. To roam the darkness. Yes, yeah, I believe that's how they, it's They put. said the sky would fall and it would turn dark. And yes, this is, um, and this is where, one, once again, this is why I think the summary is going to be quite short. The rest of the movie is pretty structured in the sense that, as you said, one of the four people forcing them to do this has to sacrifice themselves at set intervals of time. Uh, I believe to ward off, like to, to essentially give more time to stop the apocalypse. 
No, no. no they, they said that when one of them dies, something will be in, unleashed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a certain portion of the human race has been judged. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and there is actually an order of events as well. So every time one of the four people, they basically put a bag over their head and then the, uh, the remaining members of the four, like, beat them to death in front of the family. Uh, and I'm just gonna quickly look at the order of things so we can it just say was what they... big waves. Ah. The water was the first one. Yes, the waves will, uh, like, the, the, the oceans will fill the cities. Uh, was the second one disease, I believe? Yeah, it was basically pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second one was a disease starts spreading and specifically targeting and killing children as well. And then the third one, which is like, this is, we're going to get into my, my criticisms of this movie is one of them seems like, it seems like the scale of the horror actually goes down as you, as you proceed. The third one is, um, People will fall out of the sky, basically. No, no? they say the sky will fall. The sky will fall. It's not people will yes, fall. Yes, yeah. Of the sky. And it's trend, and that, that's interpreted as it's just planes start falling down. Uh, and then the fourth one is it's just uh, fire everywhere, isn't Rain, it? Rain, though, also starts drenching the land. Ah, uh, that is so true. So that's the sky falling yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the fourth one is like fire and the world like burning away, pretty much. And darkness. And then darkness. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, we, we, we see all of these happen throughout the course of it. Uh, so, but first we get a thing that I've begun to realize from the last two M. Night Shyamalan movies we watched. We get a thing that he is weirdly fixated on, which is characters introducing themselves, saying their names, and then saying what their job is. But without any prompt. Yeah. It's just, hi, I'm this, I do this. Yes. So uh, this is where we get, we get literally the four characters in a row go, all right, uh, it's time for me to introduce myself to you tied up in a chair. I am Leonard. I am a school teacher. I teach children and I like them quite a bit. Uh, we then get, I believe that... I believe that Sabrina was the was the nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sabrina is a a nurse and she like or was she a doctor? I can't remember now. No, I think she was a nurse. She's a nurse. So she like heals people. She actually also treats some of Eric's wounds as well. She kind of is the one taking care of him. Uh since he has uh taken a blow to the head and they're like, "Damn it, he needs to be clear-headed for this. This is bad." <laughs> Yeah, um, which they say he has a concussion, so they yes. keep it kind of dark in the house, too. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. They block all the windows so that they don't, the light doesn't upset him. Redmond, we don't actually get, but we do actually find out. He, he throws a fit. Yeah, Redmond. introductions. Clearly has, like, anger problems that he is losing control of most of the time. Um, Adrienne is uh, a cook. She, like, she feeds people, and we later find out that her main motivation for trying to force the family to do this is she also has a child that she wants to live and to see the future. Now, uh, yeah, so there's a few very basic... Redmond is the first guy they sacrifice, um, and the family also finds out that Redmond specifically was a guy who actually assaulted Andrew years ago in a bar in a homophobic kind of rage. Uh, and, and that, that uh, fear of 
people being homophobic plays a big role with them thinking, yeah. or one of them thinking. Which one is it? Uh, Andrew is the one who thinks that... All four of these people are just really homophobic. Yeah, they're just homophobic. And we kind of get glimpses of this family's life throughout as well. Like, that's a, a lot of the movie that leaves the cabin is flashbacks to them, like, deciding to adopt when uh, going to get her. And a lot of their uh, experience is also... Uh, it's the experience of gay people who are being mistreated for being gay. Like, their parents rejecting them. Uh, them needing to go somewhere else to adopt a child because they aren't allowed to. It was just one of them where their parents rejected. Yes. Them. Yeah, yeah, the other one didn't. You're right. Yeah. There's only one that's super... What's his name again? Andrew. Yeah. Andrew, he's the one that's very cynical. He has no faith. He doesn't believe... Uh, the people attacking them, and he also is has a very negative view of people in general. Yeah, because he's also the one where his parents rejected him for being gay. Yeah, and his partner has very loving parents yes. that respected him. And yes, and Andrew is also an atheist, like very like does not believe in God, and that's also a really important thing. E Eric, I think at one point actually believes he sees a figure of light in front of him. Not straight in front of him, in a mirror behind the people. Yes, uh, reflecting off of a thing. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of their background. Uh, once again, Redmond is the first person who gets killed. Uh, and they put a bag over his head. And you don't know they're going to do this until they start actually doing it. So it's a very effective. It's pretty fast, though, because basically all their weapons just go straight into his head. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very... They kill him quite quickly. Uh, they then turn to the television, and lo and behold, tsunamis start hitting hitting major cities along the coast. Actually, it's uh, the San Andreas Fault earthquake happens. Uh, essentially what is referred to as the big one. Uh, that, but they also say there's, like, disruption in the ocean. Yes. Causing... Yeah. And then it shows... this. This really bothered me, but... So, we don't live near places that would have a tsunami, but <laughs> it is very common knowledge that if the water pulls out, pulls out you, a whole bunch... You get you, the hell away from the beach. Yeah, and the water pulls out really, really far, really fast, yeah. and all the people stand there and stare yeah. <laughs> as this giant wave builds up, and it's not till the wave's pretty close... That they decide to start running. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Until it's far too late uh, <laughs> to do anything. The water pulled out so far that the moment it started pulling out, if some of those people would have ran, they would have got to somewhere safe. Probably. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because it high took ground. so long yeah. for it to pull out that it far. It took a, quite a while. Well, yeah, because the news broadcast is filming live, which means cameras got down to the beach as the water was pulling out and then started filming, right? <laughs> uh, okay. So Redmond uh, dies first. Once again, a structural choice that I find odd because Redmond is the closest thing you have to a almost antagonistic figure in the story. Uh, yeah. I don't know, like, this is obviously like such a parable type thing that I also understand you're not following the normal dramatic convention. Uh, we then, uh, they use Redmond, uh, beating them up and possibly also using a fake name, which we also find out to be true, as a way to try and dissuade the remaining three people. 
And they are somewhat shaken a bit, but they do remain firm. One of you needs to die, and you have to agree. Uh, they. It's sorry. No, go uh, for it. It's also really interesting because, as you pointed out, before they kill Redman, it looks like something takes over them because they start acting completely different. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It almost feels like it's not them in their bodies doing it. Yeah, they go very straight faced, and then they kill him. And then they're shaken up after they kill him. Yes. I think the nurse ends up, or the cook, someone ends up throwing up and they're all very shaken after they kill Redmond. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't, they had no desire to do it. Like, they didn't want. Um, okay, so then we, uh, have Adrienne, who, um, she gets killed next. She's once again the cook. And before she is killed, she, she literally begs them, like, please, I have a child, like, you she need to do this. She cooks for when. She cooks for when. You're right. Yeah, she does. She cooks and tells her about her daughter. And yeah. Um, doesn't hmm? when runs away at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming is that up after? still. Yeah. Okay. That's when they. That, and this is uh, also a thing we're going to talk about. Not in this summary, but that is also where the book and the movie diverge. Like an insane amount. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, yeah. So we, 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 we take out Adrienne. I've said her name different every single time, and I will continue to do so. I think it's just Adrian. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's either Adrian or Adrienne. I think it might just be Adrian. Cool. We'll go with Adrian. Uh, so yeah, she, she gets killed next, uh, leaving Leonard and Sabrina. I mean, it could be wrong. It's Adrian is a... <laughs> More normal. Well, not normal. It's just more common yeah. than Adrienne. <laughs> Write in if you... <laughs> Cry.mit.mode at gmail.com. <laughs> How do you say your name? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna create a Patreon just to have a poll and we can have people vote. <laughs> Tell us all the details we're getting wrong. <laughs> no, please. Always. Anything. Any message at all. Uh, okay. <laughs> I beg you. <laughs> Please, the email is empty. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, Andrew, Andrew once again is just doubting. He's the doubting Thomas and he's like, no, these disasters have nothing to do with it. Uh, the plague starts hitting the children after they uh, execute Adrian. And, uh, yeah, they're watching, uh, yeah, so they're watching the news. Uh, at this point, I believe this is when Wen runs away. Uh, and Andrew convinces her to run away as well. Uh, well, he and, doesn't really convince her. Well, yeah, he's like... He basically tells her to he go. He goes like, run! And he's also been trying to get his, like, ropes loose for a very long time. Uh, and he actually does. He gets loose, and he runs out to the car because he brought a gun with him. Uh, and he has a gun oh, in a lockbox in the car. that happens when the four people are trying to get in. Yeah. And Andrew gets asked, where's your gun? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They set up the they, they set up very early on. It's like, oh, he has a gun. Wonder if that'll get used at some point. Uh, so yeah, he does. He sneaks out to the car when it's kind of a distraction almost, and he has a one, pretty pretty great uh, almost fight scene with Sabrina while she's trying to break into the car while he's trying to open the lockbox of the gun. Before that, she hits him in the leg. Oh yeah, so he's also limping. Yeah, he he can't. She, she can't kill him, but she's trying to injure him, so he stops running. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then he shoot he shoots at her, and she runs away. Uh, he goes. He shoots beside her to scare her. Yeah. 
specifically. You should, yeah, he doesn't want to. One, no, no one in this movie wants to kill anybody. It's like a thing I kind of enjoy is that it's all people who are like, God, I don't want to do this. Um, yeah, he also finds uh, Redmond's wallet and he uses that to be like, see, this guy isn't who he who he said he was. Um, and then he goes back points a gun at Leonard and he's kind of like getting his his whole family together. He has the power over Leonard and then Sabrina runs at him out of nowhere and he turns and shoots her and she dies. And then the next one happens. Yeah, and then Leonard still goes and like hits her with his weapon a bunch of times because that's the sacrifice. And yes, once that happens, uh planes begin falling out of the sky just out of nowhere. In in the defense of the movie is really hard to present the sky falling. No, of course. So yeah, yeah, no, and plane, I mean planes are the option. Oh, it's also it's also like playing on biblical prophecies, where or like the idea of prophecy in general, where this precise wording of the prophecy always often turns out to be like metaphorical mm-hmm. in some form. Like it's it's just proving it, and it's also trying to maintain that element of doubt the entire time. Uh, but then the, when planes start just dropping, dropping out, out of the sky, sky yeah. they kind of question, well, that's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, because with the other ones, uh, they do bring up somewhat logical arguments that's like these people may just happen to have access to what the news is about to talk about. They may have uh, been reading about this virus spreading for a few days beforehand, and they may have also like... Uh, for through some scientific means understood that an earthquake was about to happen kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, whereas the comes- planes one is kind of like, that's weird. <laughs> I pointed out, it's really funny. So before the fourth one has to die, mm-hmm. you can't really see anything happening around the cabin. Yeah. So it's all through the news? Yeah, they're always getting it through the television. In fact, they even bring up that it could be like, they're like, is this broadcast fake or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's interesting because it's not till right before the other guy's death Yeah, that they s- start seeing changes near the cabin. Yeah, it starts raining, lightning starts going off, and it gets really dark. Yeah, and I'm not even sure, because <laughs> planes are falling mm-hmm. all over the place. And we don't see a plane fall near them till way later. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But we do actually see one uh, physically near them. Uh, so then it's time for the last, the last death, and that's Leonard. And Leonard Batista is like the best part of this entire movie. I think he's yeah. so damn good. And he basically he's like, let's just go out on the back deck together. And he goes on the back deck and I think he slits his wrists and then he just gives a very, very nice speech. I'm pretty sure he slits his neck at Oh the no, he cuts his own neck. Yeah, at the way end worse. of the speech. Yeah. Um When has ran to the cabin or not the cabin? A uh, treehouse. Tree house. Yeah, so she's she's out of the scene, and then Leonard kills himself. And then that's when uh, lightning starts striking basically around them and setting stuff on fire. Yeah, and there's lots of fire. Oh, the, when the third one happens and planes start falling out, uh, why can I never remember his name? Which, uh, the... Cynical. Andrew. Andrew smashes the TV. Ah, uh, yes, he does. Uh, and then this is when Eric uh, says basically, like, I think you should kill me. Yeah. And Andrew's like, 
what? <laughs> and then Ariel's like, yeah, so I had a vision uh, of you and uh, Wen being happy uh, in the future, like as adults and like, and being, you know, and have having a nice, long, happy life. And I don't want the like destroyed world future for Wen. So I want you to kill me. And Andrew was like, no. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I found this to be almost the least compelling part of the movie uh, was Eric successfully convincing Andrew to kill him because he does. Uh, and he, they basically like hold each other and he says stuff like, if you're a lawyer, then that means a civil rights lawyer. It means you believe in people. Well, I think that's the arc though. It is. Well, it is. Andrew doesn't believe any of this. Yeah. And then to believe in it means his view of the world has changed. Yes. Yeah, of course. His, his arc is from a point of no belief to a point of utter belief. And then Andrew starts basically doing the, like, I'm cursing God because why, why do I, like, we've already suffered so much throughout our lives. Why do we have to suffer more? Why are we the people that have to make this yeah, decision? Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, and then, uh, Eric says something Which along arguably, the lines of, Which yeah. arguably, if it is God, he specifically chose this person to grow. <laughs> yeah, 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 that too. Uh, and if it is God, well, uh, and then I think the argument Eric makes was, well, it's because our love is so pure. And that's, that's why it had to be us. And then Andrew kills him. Uh, I think he shoots him. Might be uh, yeah, pants to when just sitting in the. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't actually see. And then you see hear him. a bang. Yeah. Uh, the cabin then gets set on fire by lightning and it burns down in a very gorgeous shot. Well, well Andrew runs to when yeah, he crawls up into the treehouse. He get he gets Wen out of there. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, they were like singing a song together and Eric was very like happily singing the song. Or we, we cut to them oh, doing that at one funny. point. Yeah, they sing a, a kind of R&B song I didn't know super well, like in a really like silly kind of scene. And then he gets Wen in the car and they drive to a gas station. And uh, I believe Wen just turns on the radio. And that song is playing. And Andrew turns it off. Yeah. And then she turns it back on. And then I think they start singing along to he, it. Well, they sit there in silence and yeah. then she turns it back on. Yeah. And then they sit there and I can't remember. Are there flashbacks or like? I don't know if there's flashbacks in that scene. Or not. He he has like a change and then he turns it up. Yeah. And yeah. they start singing. And they start singing. Which is like, ah, uh, they, they they you get the implication they'll be able to reclaim joy. Uh right before that, I forgot to mention, they go to the gas station, and I find this comical because it's all these people who are like, Jesus, the apocalypse is happening. What's going on? Uh and and they're watching a television, and then they, they see a news story that's like, Turns out the tsunamis weren't that bad. And then someone goes, Change the channel! And they change the channel, and then the news is like, turns out the epidemic isn't as bad as we think it is. It's well, okay. You're simplifying it. it I wasn't, am. It wasn't dumb like that. No, no, it wasn't. It, but it, I, it, was, it was more, well, it looks like the tsunamis have calmed down. Yeah, the tsunamis have stopped. Uh, I think There's, or, they say people are starting to get better from the sickness. I think it was specifically like we've gone 24 hours without an increase in like percentage of people who have it, something like that. I think it was deaths. 
Like, oh, yeah, people yeah, yeah. Recovering. Yeah, yeah. People were recovering from it. I, I'm, the thing I find funny is that every new, like, it seems like every news channel just had one apocalyptic event that they were covering. And they, like, had to decide. It's like, all right, we're team tsunami. And then the other news channel is like, we're team epidemic killing the children. And then the third one Moby is. Moby team planes are falling? <laughs> like, it was like, well, we were covering, you know, the massive tsunami, but I guess planes are falling now. Well, I guess we'll cover that. Actually, it's kind of funny, because uh, doesn't the news go, a plane has landed yes. safely, and they all start clapping. Yeah, people clap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, and I think that, that that's basically it. Yeah, we get the, so they sacrificed Eric to... Uh, save, save the human race and Andrew has grown, uh, faith in, in humanity and, uh, pursuit of, uh, joy in the future. Now, <laughs> my, my little bit of a question is, is mm-hmm. if this, like, I'd be, if I were them, I'd be so paranoid that this is going to happen again and we're going to be one of the people that has to go <laughs> has and- Has to go and, like, beat yourself to death? Yeah. Yeah, holy shit. Knowing that that could happen would be the worst thing in the world. I would just forever be paranoid that I'm going to have a dream and meet three other people and have to go convince a family they're going to kill one of them. To kill one of them. So, I feel like I, I, I can say I liked this movie, but I didn't love it. It wasn't... Yeah, no, that was good. It was, it was, it was fine. It was, uh... So uh, some of the things I think we should talk about the the locust or the crickets because we grasshoppers they're not crickets uh, or locusts because it's a sim well they are I mean locusts are grasshoppers a type of grasshopper yeah but how do you know they're that type because this is a movie rife with Bible imagery okay <laughs> uh, no I so I think the thing with the grasshoppers is that they um it's it's and it's what this movie deals very heavily in is very blunt symbolism that is like, hey, the opening of the movie is, is someone putting a bunch of things in a glass jar just to see what'll happen. And it's a child. And I think she even ends up leaving them in the glass jar without even, without thinking about it because she runs inside the house. And that's the most blunt metaphor for what this movie probably thinks God is. So I looked up mm-hmm. just just for like point blank. Yes. So <laughs> the grasshoppers symbolize humans have no power and yeah. no free choice in the presence of God. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. And right? it, it's it's funny because we kept pointing out the jar of grasshoppers just keep being in the background. Yeah, and. It's getting lots of images throughout the movie. And it, it is, it's absolutely like someone going, aren't we just grasshoppers in a jar from the point of view of God? And isn't God just putting us in a jar to see what will happen and what we'll do? And it's like, yes, obviously. that's We, we got that the first time. Thanks, movie. Um, what are some other things? Some of the symbolism. Oh, okay. This this bugged me. I don't think it bugged you as much. But I made a joke at the very beginning when we were watching this movie. And I said, oh, gee, I wonder if they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then and then when they are breaking down at the end, when Eric is convincing Andrew to kill him, he goes, don't you see? Don't you see? They all represented something. 
uh, Leonard represented like uh, you, you're very picky about education this. and 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 Sabrina the nurse represented healing and the cook represented nourishing and Redmond represented this okay. don't you get it they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse okay, listen. yes yeah you were very picky about these things. I am picky about these things because I'd say we both kind of watch movies this way, yeah. where we figure things out and then we just assume everyone else is well, <laughs> super engaged, not just watching it. Yeah, yeah. If you are watching it just as a movie, it makes sense for them to explain to the characters. I... <laughs> if you're overanalyzing, it doesn't make sense because you assume everyone's... I mean, it's not super hard to analyze No, that. no. It's very it's, obvious, it's... but it's still something where... I don't know. It makes sense they did it. I I I, I get. It. I I understand that. I I feel like it is most people watching this movie would have gotten that and I always feel a bit like when a movie does that the director is literally sitting down in front of the audience and going, "Okay, listen up, dum-dums. This is what I'm trying to say. Do you get it?" No. So it's it makes sense specifically in this movie. It doesn't make as much sense in other movies, mm-hmm. but the fact that the main character is very cynical about this, I guess it makes sense for him to break it down and say, "Listen, this is happening. These are the guys that are making it happen." You, Do you, you understand? Yeah, you are right. Uh, from like a meta perspective, it bothered me, but it does make sense for someone to need to explain that to Andrew. So you are you are. You are correct about Specifically that. Specifically in this movie, I'll let it get away with it. Okay. Because it makes sense. Uh, so that is, and yes, the, so that is the symbolism of the four people. They they represent essentially different aspects of humanity, and they stand in, uh, they, they portray that to the family so they can understand essentially what is being lost through allowing humanity to cease existing. When I find, uh, and... Wen is interesting because she kind of stops being a function of a plot after a certain point in the movie. And um, she she kind of almost like disappears from the movie, especially for like the pivotal fulcrum choice, which I understand you don't want to watch a child watching her father kill her other father. But like she does kind of cease to matter after a while and serves mainly just as a representation of like look at the future she could have she could have a future so mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> i i love looking on websites just to see quote unquote details yeah. you may have missed uh one of them that's really big is the mannerisms of the four people change before they kill someone oh my god <laughs> and that's it's so funny cuz that one's very obvious because they go silent and still. Yeah. 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 No, that one seems like an article for people who are looking at their phone the entire movie instead of actually like looking at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, was there any like kind of symbolism stuff that really stuck out to you that you. Uh, no, for me, it seemed a pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know the song very well, but apparently, I actually didn't even remember what the song said. The uh, song says something about sunshine coming up. Ah, uh, of and course. And it's kind of... Uh, it's called Boogie Shoes by uh, well, Casey yeah. and the Sunshine Band. Um, But yeah, I guess there's a line that talks about the sunshine coming up and it kind of is symbolism of his faith in God now. I, I do suppose, I think 
Now, now that we're just in a place where we we're talking about this out loud, I think the the order of things in a symbolic sense, not just a like logical this the order of ways the world starts turning on humanity kind of makes sense. Like it it starts with a natural disaster that we all kind of knew was inevitable coming at some point, turning to a thing that like just cruelly targets children and the future. And then finally, like, well, not finally, but the third one is like all of our technology is essentially turning against us. So everything we use and make is, can no longer be trusted. And then you just don't get the sky anymore. <laughs> like this, you don't get light, no more light for you. All right. I think it's about time we talk about. So what do you think? How do you think this book? differs from this movie oh i have no idea take a wild guess i don't okay uh first of all guess who doesn't make it to the end when oh really? when in the sequence she is not the one who gets sacrificed it's much worse than that in the sequence where andrew gets the gun and tries to take back the family he accidentally shoots and kills when Oh, so she's not the sacrifice because it wasn't chosen. It wasn't consensual. It wasn't chosen. But she dies. So then is he just alone? No. He's the one that dies? Also no. They all die? Also no. They don't choose to save the world. Oh. At the end of the book. uh, Yeah, so when they're, they're planning to sacrifice Adrian, he gets the gun and he shoots and kills when accidentally. Uh, Leonard lets him, like, lets them tie him up. Uh, but then he tells them that it didn't stop the apocalypse. Uh, Sabrina is actually the one person left, and, uh, she wants to, like, and she actually kills Leonard, and then, uh, frees them. And then Eric, Eric consider it, like, Eric tries to convince Andrew to kill him, and then Andrew says, I'm not gonna live in a world without you. I would much rather roam the apocalypse with you. And then the book ends before you really see what happens after that. You just know that they have resolved to not sacrifice the other. Interesting. And that isn't... It's really interesting because that is a movie adapting a book and making almost the opposite point. One thing I've noticed about his movies, though, is they end up kind of with a light at the end of the tunnel. He does. Yeah, he does I want... Don't, I don't think he really likes... Downer endings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I, personally... Well, actually, I suppose, what do you think? What what accountability do you think, like, uh, someone making an adaptation of a book has to actually making it portray the the events of the book accurately like do you think there's any what like do you think that if you're making um, a thing based on a book do you think that you have like that like making essentially the reverse ending of it do you think that's within your purview i mean it depends how loosely based the movie is Mm -hmm. he did change the name he did change the name of it so he's kind of taking a loose based because he changed quite a few things Mm-hmm. So he kind of took an outline of a thought and made it his own a bit. Yeah, took his own, so put his own interpretation of it into it. So it it's kind of the same as when people say, based on a true story, they took an outline, Yeah, but then altered it. Yeah, and it seems like what M. Night Shyamalan did with this one is took 
is took like the premise. He was like, yeah, that's a great premise. And I don't he- want it to be a bleak, depressing ending. Yeah, so I, I think it's okay the way he did it, especially because it's not named the exact same. Mm-hmm. And he altered quite a few things. Which, based based on the idea, just knowing, once again, you obviously neither of us have read the book, but which idea do you think, like, works better? Which would you prefer seeing in a story? So, I don't think... So, I can answer for preference, but I can't answer for better because mm. there's... I don't know. In my opinion, there is no better because they're different. Yeah, so preference is a uh, I think good my way preference would be the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it sounds like more happens, but that's very common with books. Yeah, that is true. Usually you, you uh, want him. The example I keep thinking of is in The Hunger Games, the way Katniss gets her pin. Uh, that character yeah. just doesn't exist in the movie. Yeah, Madge doesn't appear in the... Is it Madge? No. No? Okay. It's Maybell, I think. Maybell, okay. Madge actually does. Okay. I think she's the old lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I confused Um. But she's not, she's actually a really big character in the book, and she comes back. She's very important. The movie just got rid of her completely, mm-hmm. and it changes the tone a lot. Yeah. I'm not going to dive too much into that. No, no, because it's, yeah, but like, that's, that's just my example, is it just, it changes the tone so much. Yeah. Yeah, it changes the idea. I, I like the meaning of a story where... Uh, to specifically, like, it's it's a very conscious choice that these two people are, like, these are gay men who have been oppressed for being gay. At least one, like, uh, the, the, the symbolic difference in one of them deciding to sacrifice themselves for the entire world and the two of them having just lost their child and being told, oh, by the way, that's not enough loss. You need to, you need to lose more than that. And I, then being like, no, is a very different, very different meaning. <laughs> yeah, but I also think it's funny because if it's only the two of them that get to survive and wander the darkness, mm-hmm. I don't think they stay together because one of them wanted to be sacrificed. One of them did want to, yeah, and then they... So there's there's no chance they stay together in the darkness. Yeah. Yeah, you think they just eventually like go their separate ways and yeah. break it off. That's a, it's a, it's a very sad ending. Now, um, all right, we have about, I'm trying to think, is there anything, uh, more you want to talk about with Knock of the Cabin? Is there anything that really? Um, no, I think we've kind of went through the movie and. We've kind of covered up. all the ideas of it. All right. Uh, I think then <laughs> this is the point of the podcast where we make the incredibly important decision. Is this M. Night Shyamalan? Or, or M. Is... Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Please keep listening. <laughs> Please, you're 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 at least like fifty-ish minutes in now. Don't don't leave don't yet. Quit on us. All now. right. M. Night Shyamalan or M. Night Shyamalan. What do you think? If I'm comparing it to old, I I feel is, like old this is this is not wrong. This is not wrong in that it is functionally made all right. Yeah. Yeah. I that's, will, that's my opinion. I will also say this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, actually, I realized just now uh, that you have seen one other M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, besides old. The Last Airbender. Oh, we don't talk about that. Yeah, but we will. No. <laughs> it's, it's wrong on all corners. It's, that's, that, might be more, that might be worse it's than like old. like borderline racist. 
And by uh, borderline, I mean it is. Yes. Uh, Whether... it's, it's You know all these characters who weren't white? I think they should be white. and the, Except for the bad guys. I don't think they should be white. <laughs> uh, I did... Actually, very quickly, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to espouse this theory in the first episode of this thing because I want to see where it goes. But based on watching Old and Knock at the Cabin, I think M. Night Shyamalan's weird predilection for having characters go, Hi, I'm Leonard, and my job is this. This one did it better. It did it better. It did it much better. It was seated in. And I think it's, like, interesting because... It, it made more sense in this one because they were they specifically said, we agreed to do this so that they know we're very human. Yes. And they do. And I, 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 I'll even go a step further. I think it even adds an additional interesting step to it, which is when they are first describing themselves, they just are like, I am this person and this is my job. When they are about to die, or as it gets further and further along, they start finding other ways to communicate who they actually are to the family. And uh, and I think when M. Night Shyamalan has characters say, I'm this person and this is my job, he is making a sometimes alright, sometimes clunky critique of like modern society and capitalism, where people do not know how to identify who they are outside of what their, like, career is. Like, I think that is... That is my theory as to why this crops up in at least two of the movies we've seen so far. But I think, once again, Knock at the Cabin did it great because because they do that and you're like, okay, that doesn't tell me anything about yourself. And they realize that throughout the course of the movie and they start actually, like, identifying things that are important to them. And Whereas, who they are. Uh, when we cover old, old, he doesn't do that. Does not escape that. <laughs> old is like, I am this job, and this job is I. Beep boop bop bop. Beep boop bop boop boop bop boop bop. Uh, now something we haven't super discussed. Mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamala likes to be in his movies. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, I think I think we, uh, off the top of my head, unless you can think of a better name for this section... Uh, spot the Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it works. <laughs> Great. Spot the Shyamalan. Da 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 da. Spot the Shyamalan. That's Is it Shyamalan song. or Shyamala? Shyamalan. Okay. Isn't that at the end? Uh, well, yeah, I. <laughs> I gather there's an end based on the end sound. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so he likes being in his movies. And how did M Night decide to appear in this one? He was on a, the TV making a chicken recipe or something. Yeah. He was on an infomercial. Yeah. Uh, Talking about how good the recipe was or, or something. Is it, I think it was like even a... Was, yeah, was it a cooking show or was he advertising like a grill or something? I don't know. He <laughs> was chopping chicken or he was trying to... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He said something like, mmm, crunchy or... Uh, M. Night Shyamalan has, yeah, a range of... of I'm curious. Yes. Was he in the Airbender one, then? Oh, he must be. I don't know where, but oh, he, he does gonna, it in basically all of we're them. We're gonna have to watch it. This is unfortunate. There is a movie where M. Night Shyamalan cameos as a writer whose writing is so good that it will save the world. I don't have a comment for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so here's the thing. I think we need to rank... 
We need to rank two things. Actually, okay. Huh? Okay. We can do this in five minutes. Number score. Out of ten, no decimals. No decimals? No decimals. We got to make this hardcore. Not a scale of 100, scale of 10. I didn't hate this movie. I didn't though. hate it either. I mean, dislike. Yes. A lot of hate in the world. Uh, I might give it a four. I love, I love your rating system so much because you didn't dislike it and it gets a four out of 10. I said maybe five. Maybe five. Okay. Let's let, yeah. Four, maybe five. I'm not a fan. (laughs) I'm going to go against what I Mm -hmm. argued with you earlier. Yeah. I'm not a fan of super generic da, 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 da. I like to figure things out. Yes. So movies that very da, 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 da don't get ranked very high, but that's just personal I like over analyzing and I didn't have to do that in this movie. Yes, I think that it has an incredibly strong mysterious ambiguous opening. Like I think the first section of the movie is the best part of it because you don't know what's going on. I, okay, well I guess for film-wise too, the mm-hmm. way it was filmed wasn't the worst. I'm no. okay, I'll give it a 5. Give it a 5? Okay. I will give this one a 6 and uh we we in terms of M Night Shyamalan movies, since we haven't podcasted about any of them, we are putting this one on a list of uh like we're ordering it. So it's I am putting Knock at the Cabin in it number one on yes. the M Night Shyamalan list. It's the top of it, yeah, uh, and also the bottom of it. Yes. And as we watch more M Night Shyamalan movies, we will rank them. Uh, and of course, so- we also rank. Huh? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We also rank the Spot the Shyamalan cameo, and this is also the number one cameo, where he talks about chicken or what have you. When we cover old, yeah. this is going to shift a little bit. Oh, yeah. But, but for right now, we're only covering this one, so yeah. it's got number ones. For it's it's got number around. ones. Uh, and I think that this is actually a case where we should, I think... We should actually announce what the next one we'll watch is. Okay. Um, I, I feel like we've just talked about old so much, so... We have talked about old a lot. I uh, think old would be the next one. My vote is old, or one of the ones that's supposedly good. <laughs> well, <laughs> this think? one wasn't bad, though. This one wasn't bad. So I think we, we've... I'm, our listeners are probably just dying to hear us talk about old. Yeah, I mean, old is... Is the best. <laughs> Old is the best one. Yeah, it's that's that's what it is. Okay, so we are going to watch as our next M Night Shyamalan or Shyamalan the movie Old. Yes, we are planning to have a podcast out every second Monday. Every every second Monday. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so from this Monday on to Monday, yeah. Or is it every second? I think with the schedule as it is, we can kind of go... I'm okay with going back to a weekly schedule, but we don't have to. We'll let you know next podcast. We'll try, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The podcast will air at some point, either one week or two weeks from the day this one came up. We'll have a better schedule coming up. It's just been crazy June. I can't wait to make you watch The Happening. Oh my god. Okay. Uh been really dropping the God and Jesus today. Listen, it's a Jesus movie. What can I say? Eric is Jesus. All right. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to send us an email, it's at cry.mit.mo at gmail.com. Mit with two T's, K-R-Y. Uh, 
we have a YouTube channel, Cry Mint Mode. Nothing's on it. Uh, You still have to edit those videos. I do. I stream at I Apologize profusely most Tuesdays. Uh, I don't know when we'll be playing games again because you work evenings now. Uh, If we do, it will be after 9 (laughs) p.m. Oh, I'm fine with that. Uh, And that's, I think that's all the business. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Ah, well, thank you for listening again. Hope you have a good whatever time of day it is, continuing onward for eternity. Like an age of darkness that never lifts. Alright, that's it. (laughs) Bye!